goodness, so we started. Hello there, and welcome to yet another week of the Pillar to Babble podcast, where this week it is about should prisoners be allowed the vote? As usual, I'm Archibald Ayrt, and I'm joined by my superb co-host, Oliver Sykes. It took him a while to come in there, but <laughs> we, we got there in the end. So yes, uh, this is our third episode of Season 5. Uh, yeah, so should be some good fun. Indeed. Yeah, so unfortunately our guest managed to have something come up very last minute this week. So, But it's fine because Oliver is completely opposed on... Uh, we're completely opposing sides on uh, this idea here. Well, not totally completely, well, but no, there's, no, no. That, that, there, there's, yeah. there's some disagreement. So he can't be quite as diplomatic uh, in his approach this week. But yes, our question is, should prisoners be allowed to vote? We must ask first our, gu- uh, our guest... If they were a cake, what cake would they be? And you, I think Oliver, you can create. We can create imaginary guests here. And which which cake should we have uh, on our platform this week? For for me to choose. Yeah, just just choose a random cake, and, well, and then I we, think we can think, create a character from it. Well, I think I've done this before, haven't I? I think I've. Well, anyway, no, just, what, cr- no, yeah, just um, create a, create a, create a cake, and we can guess a character from the cake. Oh right, yes. okay. Play, um, person, guess, all right, okay, game. okay, okay. Um, should we do? Should we do a couple of cakes or not? Or just sure, one? yeah. Just... Okay, so oh, you're playing the theme <laughs> the, the, tune the, again. The music's appeared, reappeared. Um, it's, it's, it's it's spooky, spooky, okay. spooky, spooky um, Halloween season. Anyway, so the 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 ghost. We have a ghost guest today. We do. There we are. Yeah. We go. We go. With the Manx Radio's um, spooktacular what event where there's lots of paraphernalia on the table here. Yeah. So uh, yes. we've got. Uh, so let's say. Oh, we've got a chocolate fudge cake. But with I don't know, um, oh, sort of a chocolate, yeah, just a chocolate fudge cake. Yeah, I think we're gonna have quite a roundish ghost from the from the sounds yeah. of it, because obviously quite a lot of chocolate and fudge, which is relatively um, high high in glucose levels, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, I, mean, I quite like a chocolate fudge cake. Yes. Um. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, oh I don't know. A, Red, we've done. I'm trying to think of red cakes velvet. That, mm, yeah, yes. I'm trying to think of cakes that we've not mentioned before. Let me get up a list of cakes. So let I think if you want, no wait wait if you if you like red velvet and you want to come on and talk about politics, <laughs> do come on and and that, that's like, that's our open invitation. So the next person comes on saying I like red velvet, you can come on. There you are. Um, um, oh, you'll know this one at Battenberg. Oh, Battenberg, very good cake. Yes, I must say you do. You do have to speak in a German accent if you do come on in your the Battenberg cake. Yeah, I uh, love that. Yes, no, they are. They are. They are very superb indeed. But yes, this week we're on to um, the topic of the week, which are should prisoners be allowed the vote? It's obviously quite a contentious issue in certain jurisdictions. They still ban prisoners from voting. Others they call for prisoners to vote. But what's your own opinion on it, Oliver? Well. I know he said sort of we're not we're not fully at upper opposing ends of the scale, but I'd say for most people in prison, I, I think they should be allowed to vote. Um, mainly because you, you know it's I, I see it as sort of a, I, I just we discussed this off off air with Archie beforehand. You know, is it a right? Is it a privilege? I I think it's a right. But you know, um, as some of our listeners have said, which we'll come on to in in, in the not too distant future. Um, I'd say I'd say it. it you know, you should be able to 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 vote. 
um, some would say, but you're not really a part of, of, of you know, fully a part of society. Um, but and sort of depending maybe on what you've committed, it's like um, you shouldn't be able to decide the laws if you broke the laws. Um, so I, I can I can see the arguments for and against mainly, but I would say that most people should be able to vote. I think it's I think it's their right. Um, uh, what there was a what another point that I had to say. Um, yeah, clearly if you've committed something. For, I don't know, for example, mass murder or, you know, some, something horrendous, then, then you know, I think maybe you should have your your rights taken away from you. Um, so but, you... But but surely if you're looking at the rights of someone to vote and you, you want to look at prisoners voting in general, where do you draw the line? Because you could argue that person who uh, has mass murder, who committed mass murder still has their rights intact. Or do you start stripping away other rights they have? Uh, do you start uh, eating away at their human rights just because they committed mass murder? If you want to put voting within the, the rights system. Well, clearly their punishment, you know, has, has been... Um has been to go to prison um and their their right of you know voting um should not be i I believe taken away from them um because at the end of the day they're going to have to go back into into society um so i i don't i don't see why not but um your point there um I, i do see where you're coming from where do you where do you draw the line um I don't know. But you talk about them coming back into society, but let's say they're serving a 30-year sentence. Is that 25... You, you, could, you could have them be voting like the last five years before they're released, and then they have that sort of, sort of connection with society in a way, uh, as in they're going back to society, so they might want to influence thing, something. But again, um, is it really necessary to have that there for the full 30 years? So you're saying uh, that they shouldn't for the full 30 years you, you you are not allowed to vote or are well even so let's say you're incarcerated for 30 years should you be allowed to vote for that whole 30 years because you've essentially um you're but you're if, if you're, oh you're yeah. saying it should be your last five years maybe well, you well, could it, yeah. it but then even again if you look at prisons a lot their prisons especially the big ones have a really large population so will they vote as in they'll vote as prisoners in place? So they'll vote as a prisoner, let's say it's in the constituency of um, West Hampshire. I'm making up a constituency here. I've, I've no idea if West Hampshire <laughs> is actually a constituency. It might be, it might not. It so I, ha- I haven't done my research. F- fictional constituency called West Hampshire. And it turns out it's real. I, I should Google uh, that whilst I speak. Um, yeah, but let's say in this fictional constituency of West Ham, there's North West Hampshire actually is a is a constituency. So West Hampshire doesn't exist as a constituency at the moment. But should the prisoners then vote if the prisons are located in West Hampshire as a West Hampshire constituency, or do they then vote at the home constituency? Which would you, which would you say? Um, right. Um, so where would they vote? Like if I went to university, I'd vote where the university is. But then if you look at that case. Well, these prisoners have a large population, and there's a let's say there's a very close contest between two of the candidates. So, one has like a thousand majority, and there's a prison population of a thousand five hundred. Okay. The other candidate could then appeal directly to say prisoners' votes and saying, "Well, we'll reduce your sentences, or just get votes, just get voted in." And that's not necessarily 
going to be healthy for our democracy because they again have broken the laws they do require a punishment in a way and if they view well voting some may view voting is not necessarily uh is it is it to punish is it a uh, punishment not to vote in that regard but if they want to vote should they really be given a privilege in a way when they've broken the rules of society they could be then voting for a party which says abolish prisons murder should be legal yeah that's what we could look at mm. well i'd say hmm, whether you should vote in your constituency or vote where you, mm. you know you're in prison um it's, it's a difficult it's a difficult question um Otherwise, you have a very few centralised constituencies where the prisons are, which mm. purely appeal to prison votes and clearly, because they are yeah. a voter base. Well, clearly, I have to say it's where your 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 residency is. Mm. But then if it's a life sentence, where do we draw the line there? Um, and if it's a life sentence, does it really matter if you vote or not? Uh, because you won't be seeing the outside of society. Mm. Well, obviously, the UK was forced um, a few years back uh, by the uh european uh was it human rights court court of justice court of, yeah. or the court of human rights to yeah. to um to allow for um people to to vote uh well you know prisoners yes i've so. lost where i'm i'm lost where i'm uh, the the item that i was looking at um european court of human rights ruled that the uk's blanket on uh, prisoners was unlawful and a violation of Article Three, uh, First Protocol of the European Convention on Human Rights. So, um, the UK, did the UK then adjust? I can't. I can't. I, I can't remember the I, case. I can't. Um, if you could, if you could look that up, that would be excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Making me do your research for you. Uh, well, no, only only convicted prisoners serving a prison sentence of twelve uh, months or less can actually vote. Uh, well, actually, no, this, this is Scotland. Oops, wrong one. Uh, it, oh. In Scotland, those uh, still with 12 uh, months left of the sentence can vote. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I think there's, there's restrictions on uh, if prisoners can vote or not, which I think is fair because, again, what you were talking about earlier about, I'll go back to this, you view voting as a right. So do you think that should be a right for everyone? Yes. So you then support two-year-old voting? When you're at the right age. <laughs> age? So we've got an age restriction on there. Well, clearly, because you cannot make an informed de- you cannot make an informed decision. And and then you will... I know what you're going to say. You're going to argue now, well, clearly, if you're in prison, you can't make an informed decision. No, no, no. I, I say, um, so, so you, you put a restriction... No, I'd say from... Well, the thing is now, the Alamans obviously at the age of 16 where you can vote. Mm. And people are probably going to say, now, if I said that, well, what, you know... I think 16 is a great age to start off with. You know, you leave. But you wouldn't go earlier. No, 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 no. no. 16 is completely, is, is the is the, the minimum. But what's your reason for allowing prisoners to vote? Is it just a, is one of their rights in society? Yes, and, you know, they've gone to prison um, to, to, for the sort, you know, they're human, human beings, you know. At the end of the day, they've gone to prison to serve their time for the crime that they've committed. But elsewhere, they're going to be integrated back into society in a not too distant future, depending on what crime they've committed. 
So surely they should have a say on what's going to be governing them. But then, then, I, then I would look at the the argument if we then take 16-year-olds or 15-year-olds, for example, who've just missed out on the opportunity to vote and they're not yet integrated to the, into the system. They will be integrated into the system but because they'll go life. and live in that world. But then is it right that prisoners who've been convicted of a horrific crime get that right to vote because they'll be uh, into that world just the same? Do prisoners then have they prisoners then arguably have more rights than a fifteen year old who's committed no crime? Well, you may yeah, so, 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 yeah, so, so, <laughs> fifteen year olds have less right than prisoners. Are we really putting enough emphasis on prison but they're, but they're children, and serving your but time? Children at the end of the day, Archie. You know, uh, and a prisoner has more rights than children. <laughs> so there we go. They get free housing. They get free board, so, free food. So you should say that. Um, so, so you're in favour then of chill, of of lowering the the voting? Oh, age. I didn't say I was in favour of lowering the voting age. Well, but I don't think prisoners should have more rights than children. So you who are believe innocent. no prisoner should be able to vote? Well, unless they maybe fall within twelve months at the end of their sentence, which is the current guidelines. But I don't think. Again, it will depend on the punishment arguably fitting the crime if that person has let's say uh murdered an mp or attempted to blow up parliament or maybe failing to pay council tax for example they're rebelling they're damaging the kind of democratic system then no of course they shouldn't be able to vote but let's say they uh committed a serious even if you look at you want the punishment to fit the crime it's like if you look at beheading someone because they didn't pay their tax but then put only imprisoning someone who murdered that obviously wouldn't fit the crime then i still think again most of the crime which goes to prison again it is damaging other people's lives and if it damages someone else's lives and it's not a victimless crime then i think yes they should be punished for that because even if we look at the example of let's say murder they've then taken away someone else's right to vote in effect They've taken away someone else's right to vote by killing them and not allowing them a voice in a democratic society. But then yet we're giving them a vote at the same time and we're allowing them to have more say than the person they've murdered. Well, at the end of the day, I, I, at the end of the day, not many of them are probably going to utilise well, no. their vote. Um, so at least give at least give them you know, an option. <laughs> so I, I, I draw through, I, I like drawing extreme analogies as I've been pointed out on Twitter for doing, uh, but that's, you can draw an analogy from there. Not, most people aren't going to murder, but let's make murder legal because some might utilise it, some might not, and some might enjoy utilising it. We can't, we can't look at and say, well, yes, well, most won't utilise it, so it's fine because the opportunity is still there. They could utilise it. It's like saying, let's make tax avoidance illegal if you earn over 500,000 a year. Uh, you don't have to pay tax. Some might utilise it, some might not. It's, it's looking at that, that example. Um, but looking at crime, do you not, do, do you think, you're saying uh, voting is kind of a right, but arguably in prison they have other rights stripped away they don't re- they don't retain all their rights so you still you think this is one they should retain um it's turning to the lbc yeah. interview <laughs> earlier this week of uh, uh oh you, you, you can't uh, but you cut down trees you can grow lots of things then can't you yes but you can't grow concrete Yes, you can. Uh, and then a ten, full 10 seconds of silence waiting for a response. Oh, that's fine. Thank you very much. That was James. He likes cutting down, killing trees and making stuff with them. 
brilliant. Uh, we're turning into that now. Uh, but yeah, do you think then they should retain more rights in other areas? I'm pushing you for an answer here. So by other rights, you're saying... Well, other rights, they're stripped. They're not. They're, they're stripped. They're kind of freedom to move. Uh, well, they, they can't exercise at times. They can't go out of their cells at times they don't want to. They can't eat at times they don't want to. They're put under, obviously, surveillance and the rest of it. But Their that's... right to privacy is removed. Yes, but... You, you know, if... What? Yeah. The, the, on the Isle of Man prison, you get... It's very, you know, very fair. And you don't... You know, your rights aren't that infringed that 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 much but voting <laughs> the advocate which sent in a court case uh, against, against the the prison might disagree with you there well that was to do with the COVID 19 restrictions and yeah. that was the the prison acting in the in the responsible way of protecting their their the inmates um so i okay they did say that they were uh put in their cells for what was it how many times a day but at the end of the day um the vote of each and every citizen um, counts, and that's that's the whole point. Is for a healthy democracy, is allowing everyone um, o- o- above the age to be able the right to vote. Um, I mean, it would have been great if our guest was in today, because I'm sure she would have. Uh, uh, Oliver's <laughs> looking for backup here. He's clutching at straws. <laughs> she would have a lot more of an established uh, sort of back uh, sort of reasonings as she's currently working on a. Um, sort of uh, scheme to try and get prisoners to be able to get information on the Isle of Man's political system and trying to really get that sorted. But um, I think it, it it makes sense for prisoners, you know, to, to engage with voting um, and rather than being excluded. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm going to sort of change my thoughts here and sort of agree with you, Archie, on this matter, which is... Let's say, for instance, you know, you've lived in prison... Uh, not lived in prison. <laughs> what am I on about? <laughs> you've got... A, you you've know, been in prison. You've yes. been imprisoned for 30 years for murder. Or you've been... Let's not say murder. Let's say you've been in prison for 12 years for um, supplying drugs. And you come into your 11th year and the election's coming up. Perhaps the, you know, the the... T- awful at phrasing what i'm trying to say but like you say a year till you're coming out of prison is probably the most suitable time i I still don't think they should vote but you but you said before i said it'd be a more suitable outcome it's more it's more amicable having that that year than it is to have them voting the whole term because if you look at it that person who's then obviously dealt dealing drugs will then look to legalize criminalize drugs um because that's then their that's their business model um, again, You're saying that if they so if they were to vote, they they they, they, they may for. they may look like, they may vote they may vote at that yes. What's wrong with that? You may I may, you're. They 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 they're criminal or, or in in that respect. But you're so now when now when now, when you, now you pose the argument yeah. that if someone comes out of prison that they should never be able to vote for the rest of their life. But it, it depends if they again I've not said for the rest of their life. If they're in prison. They can vote when they get out of prison. Unfortunately, well, what happens if it, they've it, been horrendous? What happens if they've you can't prevent it because yeah. well, once they got out so of prison, so why can't you why can't knowledge. you let them when they're in prison vote? Well, because they're in prison, it's a form of punishment. But they, sh- they don't have a say over the society that they've chosen to harm. <laughs> whilst they're in prison, 
That's a that's a, why what why imprison them then, Oliver? Why imprison them if you could give all the rights they would have outside of prison, inside of prison? Why bother imprisoning them? Don't get rid of the prisons. Well, you know, they're 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 sent to prison for going to prison is the punishment. Yeah. You should still be able to have some rights when you're in there. And have some and, rights. And and one of those rights should be able to vote. But what other rights uh, do they have which are taken away from them, which do you think are perfectly fair? Because they have, they have generally, they have the only really rights they have, which is for security reasons, are privacy, property, really, uh, and sometimes education. Depending if it's restricted for obviously security or safety reasons, like they are convicted as a terrorist offence and they're doing a chemistry biochemistry class, then yes, there's a slight uh, discrepancy there. But if you're looking at let's like, say property, they can put restrictions on what you can keep, which is obviously fair because you could go and commit a crime inside of prison, which they do, but. Voting is again, is that a right they should have? You're saying they should have it inside of prison. So again, I say prisoners get more rights than citizens under the age of voting, which I don't think is fair. A prisoner, why why should a prisoner have more rights than me? If I was in the UK, I'd get less rights than a prisoner if voting was allowed. Um, yeah. Well, I think I think we've sort of we, we, we've come. So, so to... you would you would keep, you you would you'd implement voting in prisons, um, N- not to everyone, not no, to no, everyone. No, no, no. Uh, so say um, basically it, not far away from your release is probably where I'd go with it. I'd say not to and obviously, yeah. Only only restriction on release. Interesting. Interesting. But let's say you're voted 12 months before your release. There's not an election. So there's no... Well, there you go. That's what I say. I don't, I don't think it's a big big issue which needs to keep, keep on banging on about. Obviously, the European Courts of Rights did actually, yes, they did go and say to the UK, uh, it says it violates the rights of free elections um, and isn't defensible on the grounds of prevention of crime. But yes, the UK still has not allowed prisoners to vote, which I think is the right decision. Uh, they have committed a crime and they should be punished fairly for the crime um and then once they completed the duration of the sentence that's then fair they've they've served their time and then she can return back to society but whilst they're in their sentence i think it's very important they are sentenced uh, obviously that when they're <laughs> they have to be sentenced so that yes that was a bit uh, convoluted there uh, so yeah, you can prove. But but what do our listeners say, Oliver? That, that, well, that, you, yeah, we can bring in some yeah, new points. Wait, 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 wait. Do do wait for me. I do have to do the. Uh, sorry. Deafening me up. Didn't quite play the kazoo fanfare that I wanted. So yes, Oliver. What what were these uh, listener comments from this week? Um, we'll also also carry on. Uh, in our current when we go to our current affairs section with a question that i put on the other day as well uh, oh indeed regarding yes. covid19 anyway i'm um, trying to now remember what question we put up you put a comment on there so <laughs> i did oh. interesting to <laughs> we're not reading out that order thank you Oliver. <laughs> no, thank you very much so we had, um, i submitted it anonymous <laughs> anonymously so yeah we've actually only had i thought we had more response but we only have three so we just got two simple ones which is uh should prisoners be able to vote yes uh, from Sean and then from Liv who said no full stop uh, and nice then... simple answers <laughs> I'm not going to read out the name because it's, it's it's just not really a proper name but uh, it's from you know a, a chap called Sam and he says no they violated the country's laws already so they cannot be trusted with their vote <laughs> there we go on that matter 
So that was from the desk of what, our listeners. What did the polls? Did you put a poll up? Yeah. I didn't put a poll up, no. Oh. No. Well, you know, as we say, you're all prisoners when you listen to the podcast, so you shouldn't get the right to vote. You can have your say, but you don't get your right to vote on a poll, I say. Glad, you, glad you've uh, sorted that out, Oliver. Uh, but yes, we do now move on to our joyful, uh, our favourite part of the week, I say, with our current affairs i'm not sure what's quite lined up in the isle of man section so no me neither (laughs) oliver uh, you know off you go well we'll have a look at a few of the headlines shall we so lateral flows shouldn't should be enough to confirm covid says mhk 12 people in hospital i think it's actually more than that now i think it may be 13 people in hospital with coronavirus um four spiking cases on the island this year Further 3,000 people have been invited for booster jabs. Cody Nook appeals, um, appeal is in the best tre- best interest of ratepayers. That's a particularly interesting one for me. <laughs> uh, and there's one more. Important for schools to listen to public health advice, says Minister. I just picked a few random ones there, mm. but mainly ones that sort of caught my eye. Uh, we'll firstly look at lateral flows should be enough to confirm COVID. I think it's ridiculous. If, if someone ha- if the government wants to imprison people in their own homes, as essentially they do for 10 days, they should at least do everything they can to ensure that person actually has COVID. Because yeah. lateral foes, there, yes, there is a small, small, there, there is a small chance that if it's positive, it is actually negative. Again, if it's negative, there's a strong, much stronger chance it's actually positive. But if it's positive, there's still that chance that it's negative. I'm going around in the. Uh, Double negatives and double positives here. But anyway, so there is a small chance that you don't actually have coronavirus, even the lateral flow says you do. So why is the government then saying, why is it, I don't get why the MHK in question, Michelle Haywood, is pushing for people to be imprisoned in their own homes when there's a chance the test isn't actually true. And also, the PCR test is the actual, is... Medical. Yeah. Medically done. And it's the gold standard. Yeah. For testing, not quite and, the diamond standard, and uh, it's the only way which the government can sort of keep a track of the statistics and legally require you to self-isolate. Yeah, exactly. So coming from a scientist, it's quite odd that she's gone for. Like, I don't see what if I get a PC, if I test positive on the lateral flow, I would want a PCR because I want every, I want to make sure every opportunity I actually do I have COVID or do I not? I want to be sure on it. So I don't see why she's saying, well, you might not, people might not want that because I've not met a single person who wouldn't want that uh, if they got coronavirus to go for a, a PCR. They're not painful. And, well, they oh, actually funny, know, uh, I say they're not painful. They are painful. It's funny how the other day, though, she four. said government should share 14-day infection rate. So you don't want people to go through the proper testing system. But you do want to see the rates from the proper testing system. Yes, it is, it is rather... Rather Hypoc- odd. Hypo- hypocritical. Indeed. Um, um, but here's, there's another one which we forgot if you, uh, Leo to mention on, on there, uh, which was the Minister for the Department of Education, Sport and Culture, Julie Edge, saying, important for schools to listen to public health advice. Yes, maybe the schools will listen, but you haven't said anything about the school children listening. And school children, frankly, do not like listening to government. They, they see the government logo and they run a mile because they view it as boring, they see it as bureaucratic, and they view it as complicated advice which doesn't actually say to do anything. And their advice, again, doesn't is say that, to do is anything. Is that just your opinion, Archie? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think, I think many share that view, uh, at least who oh. I've spoken to. But 
the 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 face coverings basically they said oh we expect you to wear them that's nice but you've seen no impact nothing no, about the cases them. have just keep gone and going going yeah. going up they're not going to wear them they're not with... they're not even if they're mandatory they're not going to wear them they'll make, they'll wear them more if more likely to wear them if they're mandatory but there's no chance the problem is is that Whoa. I don't know what's playing The Isle of Man news has just begun. Uh, we, we, we seem to be having a malfunction, just like Channel 4 did uh, yesterday. <laughs> uh, we were having malfunctions with studio issues. Hopefully our image doesn't just freeze and stay on. Uh, yeah. So I only found out about that this morning when I read a tweet from The Independent. But yes, there we Well, go. if you're listening to Manx Radio and you've somehow... Um, we've corrupted the airwaves with Politivaffle. <laughs> Hello. Hello, yes. Uh, but, it, yeah, it is... It's odd advice, I say, to say, listen, but it's just like the advice uh, from the government. The messaging is never clear. It's always emphasised personal truth, which I think is absolutely right. And they have how so many? So it's good how... they've, I say it's good they've not Do put they stronger a, advice a rugby out. team? Is there, you know, the amount of people that are in a rugby team for their communications department? Well, where you say that rugby, mm-hmm. uh, were you insulting rugby teams there, Oliver? <laughs> no, we have to be careful no, of what no. we say. The amount of people, like it's like 11 or 13 or whatever, uh, yes, yeah, oh. that's how many people they have working for their comms. I think one person could do the government's comms. I could do the government comms better than the team. I say, hire me. I, I, I charge about half the rate you pay the eleven people together. So you, you, I get the salary of five people. I assume. Uh, yes. Anywho, cozy nook. So the Portland commissioners, which are actually, uh, oh, they weren't elected by the people. They just put the name forward and they got in, which is a bit annoying in this year's local authority election why did so, you stand over then because i'm not of the age of 18 Archie. <laughs> I, I would have, I, it, I it's, it would it's have ridiculous it, it is ridiculous what they do yes so they wanted to try deregister um the cozy nook as a registered building and that didn't happen but a, um there was a a funny statistic today by um the chap from russian heritage trust mm. who was saying that 63 percent of port Aaron residents were in favor of um, where they get these polls from and i was like well, beyond me. i was like well i wasn't i don't know any other young person or any other person my age was not surveyed well i don't think most people were surveyed it would it, it, come from uh it's not 60- it'll come from their they're, they're bored. They're bored, and there'll be about like ten people. They say are statistically relevant. Don't worry. I got I got a similar statistical faux pas the other day on Twitter, where a person tagged me uh, in a tweet and said, "Oh yes, look at because I, I, I was debating about mask mask wearing in schools, and I was saying, yeah, it's personal choice with the restrictions." Mm. And then they tagged me in a tweet, and on the it's related to the Isle of Man. And they tagged me in a tweet of the YouGov for the UK statistics and say, "Look, people obviously want restrictions in place." And they would not listen to my argument that a UK stat is not applicable to the Isle of Man mm. because it's statistically incorrect to do so. And I got about five people arguing about, oh no, we, we copied the UK and many demographic stats, so we should follow it. And it's like, they don't understand our views here are different to the UK. We're not the UK. We don't follow UK. It's not like we did a Brexit referendum and was like, oh yes, we're totally with the UK on every issue. We're not. We're different. I find it ridiculous with stats. So... Mm. I think it's safe to say, do your research when you do stats. Yeah. Yes. But uh, clearly, it wasn't a fair representation. I don't know any any of a young person that was surveyed. So clearly, it's they, all people they just, of the they, same they age bracket. They probably just made stats And the thing up. is, 
in a certain mm. number of years' time, not many of those people that probably were surveyed will be here anymore. So, <laughs> just, a bit, a bit morbid there, Oliver. <laughs> I'm just saying. So, so, so in elections, should we only allow those on minus no, fifty no, to vote? No, 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 no. But this building is probably not. It's it's not viable. It cannot stay there. So, <laughs> clearly. It's not going to... Well, there's a whole, the whole extension is about 70... is a 70s building. Yeah. I don't see the reason. It's, it's not particularly architecturally important. It's not of particular interest. It doesn't look no, particularly nice. No, no. You can't sit inside because there's damp problems. Exactly. The outside... What the only, bit, the only do... bit that's actually used as a 70s building. And then when I was at... Um, it was the pre-election meetings. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, one of the MHKs... I can say the MHK's now. Uh, I think it was Michelle Haywood or whatever was banging on about the parking or something. Uh, the new building would take away the parking. Well, people have got to learn to just walk. But 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 it's but it's a pain to park down there anyway. Yeah, it's. A, I never yeah. parked down there. Even even when Noah's was operating, yeah. I, I couldn't park down. There. I parked at the top and walked down. Yeah. it's not hard. And at the end of the day, you can just if you're in a wheelchair active or whatever. Strat- yeah. Active travel strategy. Active the problem is half the people that go down to to go there can't even drive anyway, so they can't even. <laughs> they Oliver's flinging the insults there. I must say these views are not representative of the Politbabble team, and we will hold Oliver account to our internal policy practices later, and we'll be conducting a full inquiry, which will find him innocent because yes, uh, our policy procedures are nil. But yes, if, if, no, if you go, if I've been down there before a lot, and there's yeah, yeah. car jams everywhere. There is so. Yeah, oh. I don't see a need for parking there. But the 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 board of the Man- of the Her- Russian Heritage Trust um, didn't like the well, basically no one liked the new plans, which was an Art Deco style building, which is similar to like the the Sound Cafe. Which when they put in the new Sound Cafe, the the old Sound Cafe used to be a hut closer to mm. the rocks and it used to be shambles, as my uh, one of my relatives said. If you had soup there, your soup would never run out because of the condensation. <laughs> anyway. But I would say that location does sound better than the current one with the parking lot stuck yes. in front of it. Um, but, uh, but, yes. but the sound, it, no one complains about the, the, the architecture of that building. But the, I just think they need to knock it down and restart and actually get something that can be open all year round yes. and, lo- and, and actually... Draw people uh, in. Draw people mm-hmm. in and, and let people actually gather there and have a reasonable amount of people there. Um Yes. Anyway, we'll move on to another headline because I'm getting a bit doom and gloom um, and Archie's really not happy with me anymore, guys. No, he keeps on banging out COVID every week and it still is brought up again this week. We haven't avoided it. Anyway, we've seen um, about um, sort of drawn up in the news of, of recent about spiking in the UK and the other man police have now sort of brought upon the topic and trying to um, sort of raise awareness around the issue because uh, they said there's been uh, four cases of it uh, this year that have been reported uh, but there's currently um, a, a big sort of um, discussion going on in the UK regarding a lot of young people um, obviously that's where most young people that's where it usually happens is at bars and clubs mm. um, and just showing how often it happens and how horrendous it is um, it is it's awful um, and like they say, keep your drink with you and always. But then, um, as the people argue, it's fascinating. You then see the divide with them all, everyone calling out the spiking of drinks. And then you have those who are anti being people being searched before, which I think is a bit odd because at least if you, you, you're then at least it's more secure than saying, oh, but we don't want everyone to be searched. 
we don't want to be allowed in, but we don't want spiking to happen. There, there has to be a way of policing it, I think. Yeah, definitely. Otherwise, what can you do? It's, yeah. Yeah, it's awful. So, Archie keeps saying, why do you keep banging on about COVID, Oliver? Well, the Isle of Man has a higher infection rate than anywhere else in the Oliver's UK. Oliver's getting re- angry here. In the UK region. It's got one of the highest R rates probably in the world. Um, but our death rate is still ridiculously low. We had a really, really good vaccination program. We're <laughs> rolling out the vaccines. We've rolled out the vaccines. We haven't dithered and delayed like the UK would have done under Jeremy Corbyn if Jeremy Corbyn had been elected. But instead, we've well, rocketed we don't forward know what he over, over, over Johnson. We don't Johnson. know what Corbyn would have we, done. We, we rocketed it ahead and we, we have a good policy. We aren't seeing the same deaths as the UK. Any deaths are obviously very unfortunate. But again, Oliver, we have to live with COVID. Well, there's an average of 88 cases being confirmed each day. Uh, the R rate is of 1.27, which is higher than any other. But we UK aren't seeing region. the same deaths. And the uh, latest government surveillance report states that 11 out of the 13 COVID positive patients have had the 2 plus 2 vaccination. What status. would you suggest? What, what would you suggest we do? There we are. That's, that's always the key what question, which no one wants to answer. What do you suggest we do? I suggest that... Um, <laughs> there you go. I suggest that, <laughs> exactly. I suggest that people do personally what they want to do. <laughs> <laughs> the Isle of Man has one of the worst COVID rates out of all UK regions, if they're not in the I, UK. I would advise. But we can do what we like to do individually. <laughs> I would. Well, there's not a lot we can do. There's not a lot we can do. But I would strongly, strongly uh... advise that if you go into gatherings or your public areas that you wear a mask and you and you keep away from people and remember uh hands face space basically don't <laughs> oliver is the new communication department do you work with them oliver is that why i know they're the size of rugby team are you one of those 11 i've heard of inside sources <laughs> um, no but i like i i cannot say this is what we should be doing because i don't know i'm not i'm not the public health directorate the public health director has actually given any. There's no concrete plan. There's no plan in place currently. Well, They're working out a hopefully, island plan. They ho- like island plans. Yeah, hopefully of mm. of some point ne- early next week. We're supposed to be having a media briefing this week. I mean, we could ask him. He's only next door. Um, <laughs> we have intercom. <laughs> whether whether we're yes. going to have a COVID briefing. I mean, he's here, so clearly not. Um, Maybe maybe tomorrow. There might be one at midnight. They, say... they might be one at nine o'clock saying we're going to lockdown Monday. Oh no! Which I highly doubt's going to happen. Uh, no. And if it did, I'd be ridiculous. But they did say if if the hospital and I do agree, if the hospital is going to become severely under pressure, then we do need to put in some restrictions in place. Would you agree with that, Archie? No. So why not? Why why not? Because. Again, if you if this you would prefer if this he- was the flu, if this was the flu as we have every year, the NHS keeps on getting overloaded with the flu. The NHS needs to adapt, and Ireland we're very lucky with our NHS is much less over, under over un, is a lot less stressed than the UK services are. The UK has a rubbish winter every winter and has done for the last 15, 20 years. And they, and they say because it's the NHS be the worst. is a broken system, and if you look at it, we aren't there to damage 99% of the population for 1% of people. My, If we have measures in place, it, it restricts the lives of the majority for the minority. The minority has been vaccinated. There's only so much we can do. And to put that hospital pressure on, there needs to be other ways of dealing with it, which don't end up putting damaging restrictions on the rest of the population. It damages social interactions, early stage developments with children in schools. Even looking at facial recognitions, we are a social creature as, as, as a human. We require facial expressions really to communicate what we're getting saying across. Mm. 
face masks muffle voices. Especially if you're thinking in classrooms, it will damage teaching, it will damage that learning environment and put us at a disadvantage. I don't think there is a strong argument for introducing mask back when we have been vaccinated and we are generally protected. Well, there you go. You do make a fair point there, as usual. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, worse comes to worse then you know all of us calling for a full national lockdown for 12 months no we do have to protect we do have to protect life um you know but we the the, the thing is which keeps on keeps on coming recurring protect the nhs protect the nhs but the nhs's job and its original function was to protect us anyway we'll we'll move on fair enough Yes. Do you want to go to a bit of well, UK well, 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 we can go to your poll. What was your poll you put on earlier? I, do, I haven't put up on the poll. The poll about... Did you not in the end? No, no, no. It was just a question. Well, it, well, I only got one response, but I was going to say your response. So that would have been quite funny, but I was. Oh, what, what, what was the un- anonymous response, Oliver? What from you? <laughs> not from me. I didn't really, I didn't receive any response. No, we won't bother with that. Really? Well, no. I want to, I'll read out the anonymous response. I think it was from you, Oliver. That's why I don't want to read it out. <laughs> um, let, let me just load up... Uh, load up the internet here, um, and Oliver's just disappeared with the result. I, will, I shall receive. I shall read out Oliver's response or <coughs> Oliver's response. Actually, we got we got we got two responses, which is surprising here. So we got one from an anonymous source saying, "Absolutely not. They starve us oxygen, kill humans, and increase the likelihood of getting COVID." Well, I'm gonna say that's quite a controversial response. I don't think we're actually going to look at masks increasing the likelihood of getting COVID. That's something quite controversial there. But I do think there is a fair point in... This was in relation to a question we asked saying, Hello all, as we had an interesting discussion in the last week's podcast regarding COVID, what's the... Here's a quick question. Should we be putting COVID restrictions in place on schools? If not, why? So another one says, uh, this came from James, said, no, by all means, suggest measures, but it should be up to the students in the end. And this is, again, pushing for a personal choice, a personal responsibility in what you want to do. But there is, again, a key point which counters this. And this is, again, I can sympathise with this point of view, but again, I'm not for restrictions, so I still wouldn't implement it. But wearing a mask does not protect me from getting COVID. It may protect me from getting others. It maybe is the altruistic thing to do. But for example, I have a, a I, I have an exam which is coming up. I know in that week coming up to the exam, I can't be ill for that exam because being ill for that exam, it's a particularly mentally taxing exam. So I need to be on top form. So I, I will restrict my time in school because I don't want to go and catch something. But again, masks won't reduce me catching it. Other people wearing masks, because you're in close proximity to people, I don't really think it has that great impact. Uh, but it does seem Oliver has now uh, appeared from his ghost form. He faded out there. He faded through the walls, phased almost as a sci-fi movie. He melted into the floor and he's melted back up in a new re-emerged anti-Covid anti-lockdown, anti-vax form. So, Oliver, what's your new opinion on vaccines? It's been, you've been reformed, I suppose. Well, Archie, uh, as you appear to be uh, coughing for a few seconds, I had to just leave the studio and, and, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, sanitise myself down because I was getting rather concerned. Coughing, oh dear. And I never cough. Thankfully, the ventilation system's now sort of come on a bit, so that, that'll hopefully keep keep your coughs at bay. <laughs> I mean, your coughs, Oliver. That's why you have to leave your... Oh. Yes. Anywho... Uh, did, did, have you moved on to any? Well, I was UK? just discussing our wonderful comments from our listener. Ah, <coughs> Oliver, yes. yes. Uh, they were quite interesting. One was controversial. The other one was uh, more pushing for personal choice. We got two responses. So yeah, I think it's a mix of both. It should be per- personal choice. 
sort of going back on what I said. But if but it's personal choice, it can't also be required responsibility. The two don't work in hand. Uh, yeah. Well, we're at a difficult point with COVID at the moment. Well, we have now reached our uh, UK news section. So this week we did see uh, our br brilliant, wonderful Chancellor, Rishi Rishi Sunak, announce the new budget. Obviously, Why is it Rishi Rishi? It was a, it's a, oh, oh. It is a, a, a relation to spitting image, uh, Oliver. Yes. Um, we saw a two million diamond almost thrown away by a Northumberland owner. Uh, and we had, obviously, Keir Starmer replaced at PNQ's by... Uh, Ed Miliband. So yes, those are in place, uh, and that that has really been uh, the key points from this week, which I've taken at least. So yes, we had Rishi Rishi's new budget come in yesterday. I think there was a bit too much spending and a little too few cuts. We have obviously had a massive, massive deficit in the last year, um, but he gave it was almost a bit for everyone, the budget, as it was described by some political pundits. Uh, it was almost a bit for everyone, a bit for those on the lower end of the sociological spectrum, a bit on those for the left, a bit on those on the traditional Tory base, a bit of those on the top. And so it fitted it, everyone. Yeah, it's a bit of everyone, really. Uh, but it was also looking at, I think, a particular pertinent part there was the hospitality on the alcohol duty. Yes, yeah. We saw beer reduced. We saw uh, the uh, super tax, super duty almost on sparkling wine reduced. Uh, and you'll pay... Uh, they'll be frozen for the next year, apart from beer, which has been reduced to 5% already. So you make a saving about yeah, 5%. It, it any, it's any... It, depending on, basically, stronger volume... In, in a year's time, a stronger volume is... You have more higher duties to pay than a lower volume. Yeah. And the best part is, it is a champagne budget, which we can all toast after all. Uh, and as I think... Um, yes, it is It is a champagne budget. Because champagne's duty will be reduced. Champagne is a cheaper price, which I think is a good, good item. Uh, and as... Uh, Rishi said it. I think. What did you think of the budget, though, Oliver? Yeah, I think I think it's surprisingly well. I mean, like like you say, uh, he, he spent uh, an awful lot. And funny enough, in one of my recommendations, we'll sort of it'll interrelate with the, the budget. So um, yeah, but I, I think we to get out of the phase we're going going on. I mean, the Alaman the Alaman's got to spend um, over the next few over the next few years we've got to put that investment in the people especially as we're moving towards going green so the island should copy the uk's budget no no but but uh, no but but go down a uh, a similar route a similar route mm. there's too much spending though if we if we followed a giant commitment to the spending increases we'd be looking at even more debt mm. and we can't legally go into debt yeah, we can't we can't have more debt than we can pay off. Mm. Well, it's a weird uh, clause in our Treasury Act, which is I think is quite good. But as Rishi said to start, uh, he, he obviously it's quite fascinating how the budget's presented in the UK. He, the Chancellor he is a teetotaler, so he doesn't make use of this. And the past uh, three chancellors haven't either. But they are legally it's the only time the when the budget's been debated that the Chancellor is the only person who can actually drink alcohol in the Commons chamber. It's quite it's quite a it's a historical tradition that they can. It's a privilege of them. So we had, obviously, um, it was is now Lord Howe, uh, Geoffrey Howe, he, Margaret Thatcher's uh, chancellor. He used to favour a gin and tonic, for example. Uh, so that, and then the last one to drink was uh, Ken Clark, and he enjoyed a 
uh, what was it? It was bra- brandy and water or something like that. Mm. Uh, so it's it's quite it's quite interesting. Um, there's a history behind it. Anyway, he's he, and the the chairman of Ways and Means, so the deputy speaker, usually presides over the common uh, the Commons debate. So obviously it's a female. So you get the Madam Deputy Speaker to start there. But as Rishi was R- Rishi uh, Sunak said, investment is gr- employment is up. Investment is growing. Public services are improving. The public's finances are stabilising and wages are rising. So I think he is painting almost quite a positive picture of the UK's budget, which was welcome to see. And especially with, uh, I've forgotten the name of the, the Office for Budget, response, uh, the, o- the OBR, sorry, has given a much better stance of this budget compared to others. We were looking to return to pre-level co- COVID economy levels by the end of the year, by the break of the new year, which I think is incredibly positive when we look at our counterparts who haven't failed fared so badly, who have, no, have fared much worse uh, in the likes of the EU member states. So maybe I think it was good we did Brexit after all. Um, yes, another economic argument, and economic benefit of Brexit, I'd say. We've managed to recover and bounce back better, uh, as Boris keeps on referring to. But we had a, interesting, because Keir Starmer was obviously off ill, uh, Rachel Reeves, traditionally the well, Chancellor... Well, he wasn't just off ill, he, had, he, well, he had tested COVID. positive for COVID. Now. But Rachel Reeves uh, is the Shadow Chancellor of the Exchequer, but usually uh, it falls to the... Le- uh, sorry, the leader of the opposition uh, to give the budget response for the opposition. But if the leader of opposition isn't there, it falls to the deputy leader of the opposition, Angela Rayner, who's doing some constituency work at the moment. Oh, sorry, not, no, on a bereavement leave at the moment. So she wasn't in Parliament. So there was a scurry around at the start to work out who was to take the place. And it fell to Rachel Reeves, who is quite a... She's a competent speaker on the Labour side. I'm not so in support of her. But she knows her economics, at least. She mm. worked at the Bank of England for many years. Oh, right. Uh, she's, yeah. she's, a, she's a strong economist. Uh, in that regard, she's she's well educated. I don't agree with her style of economics, but she was able to give a good response. But she criticised, uh, as I was talking about the champagne budget earlier, she was saying how um, the millionaires on air private jets on the short haul flights across the country, because air airfare was part of the budget, uh, will be uh, will be what, what was it called? Uh, toasting with their champagne. Well, someone on the <laughs> because Alaman- champagne's cheaper. Someone on the Alamance called for that to be to be cut to hopefully boost a bit of tourism um i think it was the wrong measure because it will it makes short-haul flights a lot cheaper mm. and will almost almost promote short-haul flights within the country when we should be utilizing train networks we should be utilizing more environmentally friendly forms of transport as with the green drive to build back better as boris as boris pushes uh, ahead of cop 26 uh, but yeah, another point which I think you all like to mention on is Keir Starmer's absence at PMQs. Yes. What did you make of that? Well, we had Bacon Butty Man, didn't we? <laughs> In his replacement, Ed Miliband. Um, yes, no, I think it was uh, rather excellent. Um, as me and Archie were discussing on our hair, uh, it's great to see a bit, a bit of a difference and not having Ed. We uh, No, sorry, in not having Keir, we had the charismatic Ed Miliband, who was former la- uh, leader of the Labour Party. I know, he's I much understand. he's much more charismatic than... Oh, he, he ate the bacon butty and lost the election because of the bacon butty. So he always has <laughs> to play into that charismatic role. But yes, he is much... Much more engaging, I think, and as he said, he got cheer. He almost got got cheer. He was just cheering. It wasn't the uh, bad, the bad form. It was the kind of like, yeah. the eruption of laughter because he's back. And he was like, "I said, I'm back for uh, uh, 
And I must say to my fellow members across this house, I'm back for one, just this one time and one time only, or something to that, to yeah. that effect. Uh, he's which, always been, he's always been quite charismatic. Yes, he was much, he, he was returning back to the old, the good old days of uh, Cameron and Miller Band PMQs, which are much better to watch mm. than the current. Um, well, Keir asking a question, trying to be pertinent, Boris saying, yeah, my passports and we're building back better and giving a quite, quite a good rhetoric response. And he brings it back to what he wants to say all the time. Well, yes, I shall discuss that later today. We have a good plan on it. And what are Labour doing? He turns around to address, his, address the Conservative bench. Well, Labour are just dithering and delaying. So he gives quite an impassioned speech. And then Keir comes back almost... Either saying, oh, the Prime Minister seems not to have listened to my questions. Oh, but I'll ask another question in this regard. And he doesn't seem to actually give any sort of charismatic response to engage people within politics. He doesn't make a joke. He doesn't poke fun. Uh, He just kind of goes, and, well, we look at more... It was the last PNQ's chair was in. It was almost like, oh, and we're looking at cross-party... We're glad. It was just Boris was just agreeing. He was basically saying stuff, and Boris was yes, we're doing that. And it's like it wasn't a proper BMQs. It was almost Keir saying, "Oh, Boris, you're doing a wonderful job. I support you so much, and we'll be happy to work with you on this bill. Will you support and work with us on this bill?" Boris saying, mm, "Yes, but we're looking to work on work work on this bill, and we're working on this bill, Prost Party. Uh, yeah, yes, we do. I'm glad, my honourable friend, my honourable friend, we have his support. It was kind of just back and forth this and is, agreeing. This has now turned into the impersonation uh, politics show. Right? It has, but it's fascinating to see. It was much nicer to see someone at least charismatic on the stand, even though he did make mm. hip- hypocrisy comments saying to, oh, well, Boris must not make party political points ahead of this such important issue yes. like climate change, and then proceeded to try and score party points, and Boris was very much like, oh, the honourable gentleman still seems to not uh, be hypocritical, and he is addressing his political points himself, or party political points himself, yes. So it was a den- yeah. no- it's nice to see charisma back the dispatch box it was uh it was funny in 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 pmqs as well um boris was giving a response back to uh, a question from ian blackford who is the smp westminster leader Ooh. and uh, <laughs> he got booed mm. uh, by the tories <laughs> anyway <laughs> he stood up there and he's screaming to uh, like not screaming but like well a mix of screaming and shouting at boris Boris, answer the question, answer the question. Because Boris was just sort of... I mean, it's amazing how Boris can just... I'll see if I can find a clip and we can play We can play the audio because it is public domain. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's much nicer... No, it's nice to see some charisma back at PMQs. It, although people are arguing, oh, it's just turning into a shouting match, but it actually engages people in politics. Yes, and that, that's the whole point of PMQs, is you ask the Prime Minister a question and it's to see how your leaders perform it's, on debate. Really. Yeah, it, it's it's it's... A theatrical performance, as I'm sure it's been described many a times before. Um, indeed. Um, oh, it, it, it was much. It's nice to see. I think. Uh, but yeah, yes. So we have. We have a. Um, I, I can actually access. There is. There is a video here. I, I have the audio files. Uh, I say that with such, uh, such a joy. So. We we may be able to listen to a bit of the audio here. We should I should do I should start to we should start to collect audio to put in. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, so you, Mr. Speaker, and can I join with the leader of the opposition? He lost his voice, I think. To the family of Ross. <coughs> no, that that's last week's uh, wrong uh, one. I did think he didn't sound like that. <laughs> no, week. no, no. Uh, yes. Oh, I, f- I found a better one. I think this is this is this is the actual one. 
Um, I, I was going to say, I, I didn't remember him losing his voice either. Thank you, you Speaker. I'm sure the thoughts and prayers of the entire House will be with the family of Walter Smith, who sadly passed away yesterday. The legend that Let was us get the, to the, shouty bit. the dire face responsibility. A, uh, of an issue that I know is on the minds of many people <laughs> in this house and across the country. We're, we're proud of what we've done to, uh, to welcome Our wonderful leader Boris speaking, speaking there. Yes. Oliver's putting a uh, face uh, there. He doesn't uh, think Boris is our wonderful leader. But he has a response here. And people are in need today. There is nothing there about tangible action. Which I think most people, most fair yes. people in this country, I, I think unfortunately doesn't do it justice this video. But many of the of those 15,000 are already being integrated into uh, into the UK, into into schools, into into communities, and we will help them in any way that uh, that we can. And one of the reasons, and he, I'm afraid he's completely wrong in his characterisation of the the, the, the the stance the UK has taken towards Afghanistan and, and the change and the changes there. We continue to engage. Uh, we engage with the Taliban. This country was the f one of the first uh, to, to... Not sure that's a good thing there. Uh, what, we, what, we, what we are insisting on is safe passage, Mr. Speaker. And I, and, and, and what we are insisting... Just to get to his point where he rather uncivilly calls out, uh, what we are insisting on, Mr. Speaker, is that there is safe passage uh, for those who wish to come and settle in this country, uh, for people to whom we owe an obligation. And that is what we are doing, Mr. Speaker. And I have answered the question. But I must say, Boris, there, unfortunately, using the term passage rather than passage, I think he is failing as our leader. Passage! <laughs> Don't you start now, Oliver. <laughs> but yes, that, that 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 has been our kind of the week the week in review. So yeah, I think it's been it's been an interesting episode. And we'll be what what do you have any ideas of what we're discussing next week, Oliver? I think on Pellet Babble. Well, it's been coming up time and time again. Archie's wanted to discuss it, um, and it's been cancel culture. And Oliver does a funny face there, by the way. <laughs> he doesn't believe it's real. Uh, uh, Wait uh, till you're cancelled, Oliver, <laughs> for your anti-vaxxer views, and we'll soon we'll soon see who's boss. Anyway, Archie's been wanting to discuss this for a while, so hopefully we will. We may even get a guest on. Who even knows? If they do, it'd be a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's really it. You'll have to listen to the episode to find out more on cancel culture. And are, are we losing? Episode. Are we losing our historical statues? That is a pertinent question put in the Telegraph this week. So all that will be coming up next week on your favourite youth political podcast, Political Babble. Truly the best political podcast anywhere on planet Earth. Obviously, other planets are available. Planets blah, blah, blah. Blah, indeed, as Greta Thunberg said. So, yes. You've been Politibabbles. And the outro music continues there. So we can keep on going with planet blah, blah, blah. Other, yes, other planets are available. And you can find our more podcast episodes on manxradio.com forward slash podcast forward slash Politibabble. As usual, do get in touch, do engage with our social media and any comments, as usual, send them through. Tweet us. We don't care. We're happy to have controversial and quite 
enlightening discussions with you. We want to hear your thoughts. And I think my Twitter at the moment uh, did, has had an interesting week. So, yes, go hit us up at Politibabble or at A-L-A-T-I-M. Or I don't know what Oliver wants to plug his tag there. But I think it's too late for Oliver to plug his tags. I'll do the Max Fosh and bleep it out. Well, yes, that's been all from this week. You've been Politibabbles. We can dance at this last bit. <laughs> <laughs>